Blog Talk Radio. Coffee Party Internet Radio is a part of the Be The Media Project. And I got to tell you, if I wasn't ready for the show before that song, I'm always ready uh, 30 seconds later when it's over. It just gets my heart moving. Hey, listen, if you'd like a complete list of the Coffee Party Radio Network shows, go to www.coffeepartyusa.com and click on Radio Shows. Consider joining our team, Be The Media. So, power to the people, because the Coffee Party strategy includes, includes using our social media presence to alert our members and supporters to actions they can take as citizens. I start each broadcast with a little segment, obviously called Power to the People. If you'd like to promote actions in your community, if you have an announcement on the air that you'd like to deliver, you can do that by contacting me directly. Just be sure to get to me by Wednesday so that I can include you. You can contact me at, by email at Janine at CoffeePartyUSA.com. You can call into a broadcast or you can leave a message on the Lunch with Loudon Facebook page. And if you have something to promote right now, you can call 646-929-2495 and press 1 to be in the host queue. Now, if and when you call in, remember the civility pledge, key to the coffee party. For anyone who needs a brush up, here it is, very quick and to the point. I'm reading. As a member or supporter of the coffee party, I pledge to conduct myself in a way that is civil, honest, and respectful towards people with whom I disagree. I value people from different cultures. I value people with different ideas. And I value and cherish the democratic process. Let's begin. So this month, uh, June 21st through the 24th, Coffee Party USA membership is voting on uh, the election of the board, members of the board of directors. So if you've received your email uh, and you're a voting member, please respond soon. And um, if you haven't, if you're a voting member and you haven't seen your email, look for it if you have any problems uh, finding it, uh, contact info at coffeepartyusa.com. June 25th is the Day of Dinners uh, put on by the Women's March organization. If you want to know more about Day of Dinners, go to www.dayofdinners.org and get all the intel. Um, the Stop Trump Care in June Action Plan uh, can be found at, oops, I forgot to do my ding. There we go. The Stop Trump Care in June Action Plan can be found at www.indivisibleguide.com slash resource slash June Action Plan. 
All of these things that I mentioned already and that I will be mentioning as we go through are posted on the Lunch of Thought and Facebook page. So don't worry about copying down the, um, uh, the link if you don't want to. Okay, so next month, July 1st, there's a Rise Up 5K Walk and Run in 308 cities across America. We've talked about it before. HTTP RiseUp5K.org. Here's a new one, and as you know, uh, when I get a new event onto the list, I read a little bit more from the source material, but on July 2nd, there is a thing called the Impeachment March. You can get details at www.impeachmentmarch.org. Let me read from the statement. Donald Trump has been in blatant violation of the Constitution from the day he was sworn into the office of president. The Constitution gives the House of Representatives the sole power to impeach an official, and it makes the Senate the sole source of impeachment trials. It is time that congressional representatives do their job and start the process to impeach this president. We believe President Trump has committed constitutional breaches, consistently lied, cheated, and enforced laws that primarily benefit him and his billionaire friends at the expense of the country. Join on July 2nd. If this is something that interests you, again, you can go to impeachmentmarch.org. My scan was, uh, well, I ran out of time to find all the marches. They're everywhere across the nation. July 3rd and Join the Coffee Party Movement Facebook page will be posting member and supporter statements, blogs, and images with the theme Reflections on Our Independence. If you'd like to submit a statement, a blog, or an image, um, you can do so by submitting them to info, I-N-F-O, at coffeepartyusa.com. And in the subject line, if you would go reflections on our independence, uh, it'll, the person who sorts our incoming email uh, will appreciate it. July 19th through 21st is the American Legislative Exchange Council, also known as ALEC, annual meeting in Denver, Colorado. I leave it to you to do whatever you will with that information. But if you go, please be a guest on Lunch with Loudon. We all want to know what they're up to this year. July 24th, Millions March for Medicare for All in D.C. and cities across the 50 states. You can um, actually, I won't even go into the whole thing because our guest today is the organizer of that march, and I, I'll get through this more quickly so we can get to talking to Dr. Rushnick. July 29th, new, this is new, so I'll read a little more National Rally for Healthcare. Um, it's a Facebook event, and again, you can go to the Lunch Aside and Facebook page and click through to that event. Here's this for the organization or for the march. We believe that healthcare reform should be thoughtful, bipartisan, and achieved through consensus. The passage of the American Health Care Act failed to achieve bipartisan support and seeks to undermine core tenets of the Affordable Care Act that have helped 20 million Americans gain equitable, comprehensive coverage. Don't let Congress turn back the clock on the progress that has been made. We have teamed up with Our Lives on the Line, an organization, and it's happening Saturday, July 29th. We, appro- we oppose the aggressive, secretive manner in which this bill is being rushed to the Senate floor. 
For those who can't make it to Washington, D.C., we encourage supporters to host sister rallies in their own states and to stand with us in solidarity. Healthcare must be a right for all and not a privilege for the few. Democrats and Republicans are patients first. Thank you for your support. Uh, just a reminder, August 24th through 27th, the Coffee Party Board of Directors is holding its annual meeting in Oregon this year. Um, Coffee Party members should keep your eyes out for an email asking for your opinion and input on items for the board to consider. So, uh, remember again, all this information is posted on the Lunch with Loudon Facebook page. I'm going to go really quickly through the ongoing list. Um, the March for Journalism is still to be announced. Check out the Resist event list. This is the most comprehensive list I have found anywhere about things that are happening in anybody's neck of the woods. And you can find that list at www.resistandprotest.com slash event dash list. All of us www.allofus.org. American Civil Liberties Union People Power Response Teams. Uh, go straight to um, www.peoplepower.org. Coffee Party USA Stay Involved campaign at www.coffeepartyusa.com. Democracy Spring Grand Strategy can be found at www.democracy.org. Spring-strategy.org. The Indivisible Calendar can be found at www.indivisibleguide.com slash action-calendar. Move On Resistance Summer can be found at www.moveon.org. The Occupy Portland's event page is a Facebook group, and you find it on Lunch with Loudon. Our Revolution Calendar, ourrevolution.com slash action. Root Strikers Petition Actions at www.rootstrikers.org. Tax March, the fight continues at taxmarch.org. All right, we've done it. Our, another, our list for the week. Um, and time to get to uh, the heart of the matter with our broadcast today. So our topic is American healthcare. That's pretty generic. But given the current events, um, both previously in the House of Representatives and currently in the Senate, um, I'd like to talk more in depth both about what, how Americans are reacting to this, what the implications are, and uh, about the march that's coming up. So I'm going to open our guest microphone. It, blog talk is so slow. And I would like to uh, say hello to our guest today, Dr. Rushnick. Good, Welcome good, to Lunch with Loudon. Good afternoon, Gina. I'm thrilled to be here, and we got a lot to talk about. We do indeed. Let me tell our listeners a little bit about you. You were kind enough to share your bio. So Michael Rushnick 
is an MD and an MPH, Masters of Public Health, a retired physician, and a two-time cancer survivor who escaped being quadriplegic because of spinal surgery that removed a piece of bone that had embedded itself in the spinal cord of his neck. He knows he is a survivor because he has had great health care coverage. Dr. Reshnick wants the same affordable care for every American and has made it a crusade in his life. Graduating from Rutgers Medical School in 1974, he became an internist and gastroenterologist in his own private practice until he saw the for-profit sickness medical complex take over the healthcare system of earlier days. Michael entered politics in the late 1980s and was elected the local Democratic chairman of his town in New Jersey. He was selected to be an alternate delegate for Bill Clinton because of Clinton's desire for health reform. Despite meeting with the president, Dr. Reshnick and many physicians and nurses were excluded from the task force of the so-called Hillary Care, which imploded. Michael earned a Master's of Public Health degree from Rutgers School of Public Health and was appointed to be Managing Physician of, of Healthcare Planning for the New Jersey State Department of Health, but was greatly disheartened when all healthcare decisions of physicians within the department had to be improved by the governor. In 2008, he co-founded Americans for Healthcare on Facebook and spoke up at a public hearing of a New Jersey politician, Congressman Frank Cologne, yes, who claimed to be one of the chief architects of Obamacare. Dr. Reshnick asked a simple question. Have you or any members of Congress asked any healthcare professional to be involved in the writing of the ACA? The reply was no. At present time, Dr. Reshnick is co-founder of Millions Marching for Medicare for All, which will be coordinating massive nonpartisan marches in all 50 states and a huge rally on Capitol's West Lawn on July 24th to appeal directly to the American people to do what is in their own self-interest to demand Medicare for All. Again, welcome to Lunch with Loudon. Where shall we begin? Oh boy, <laughs> we, 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 we we have to begin with uh, <clears throat> that we're all Americans before we're partisans, and we're all born into this world um, needing health care, and we should have health care from cradle to grave, and health care has nothing to do with politics. It's the politicians who have divided us, the American people, to make it a political issue, to make it about who wins the next election rather than to have a true health care system. In America, we do not have a true health care system. We have what I mentioned in your introduction, a sickness medical complex similar to what President Eisenhower called a military-industrial complex, except this is in the healthcare world. And the World Health Organization has ranked the, I think they call it American exceptionalism, which I find an exception to the word American words American exceptionalism because we're not exceptional in healthcare, far from it. We are 37th in the world ranked by the World Health Organization in healthcare outcomes. We spend the most money on healthcare. Why is that? Well, 
we have to support the for-profit big three. The for-profit big three are big insurance, big pharmaceutical, and big hospital systems. Because the bills that have been written are all written by insurance companies with the input of pharmaceutical companies and the input of executives from hospitals. And the reason why healthcare is costing over $3 trillion a year is not because that money is being given to patient care. It's being given some to patient care, but not to all patients. It's only being given to the patients who have enough money. So, so therefore, if you don't have enough money in this world, in America, you know, supposedly the shining hill, the shining city on a hill, you know, all, all that nonsense that Reagan tried to, to uh, make us believe that where the shining hill on a shining city on a hill is nonsense. That, that, that city on the hill is only for the rich people. That's for the oligarchs. That, that's, that's for the upper middle class. Um, that's certainly not for the poor. Um, and it's certainly not for most of the middle class. Most of the middle class is barely making it these days. The income inequality is unbelievable. A, a famous book called The Rise and Fall of the Great Powers, uh, over the last 1,000 years of Western civilization has shown that when wealth inequality from the rich to the poor exceeds a certain percent uh, of, of the top income, um, usually civil unrest follows because at that point the poor have nothing left to lose. Now, I hope I'm wrong, and the reason why we're having a march, millions are marching in all 50 states peacefully, nonviolently, um, and we're also holding a huge rally, as you said, on the Capitol West Lawn, right outside the People's House, the Capitol, where they're supposed to be doing the people's business. Unfortunately, they're not doing the people's business. They're doing the corporation's business, because the corporation's have, have given mightily to both parties. They hedged their bets. So Wall Street does not favor the Republicans any more than the Democrats because they don't want to lose. So they bet on both parties, and they contribute, you know, millions. And anyone can go on OpenSecrets.com, the Center for Responsive Politics, and you can check out what your senator or congressman received in the last year from healthcare companies, from pharmaceutical companies, and your eyes will see numbers like millions of dollars. Now, unless you believe that these healthcare companies for profit are are just good Samaritans, they just want to have good government and and that's the reason why they gave uh, Mitch McConnell uh, $2 million and Chuck Schumer $2 million. They just wanted to have good government, that's all. Uh, unless you believe that, uh, maybe you might think it's an investment in those politicians. And, and when, when a bill comes up, um, you kind, kind of remind the politician, remember that $2 million we gave you? I just want to mention one act, uh, Janine, before, before I stop, which really, as a physician... Uh, drove home the point, and this was after the defeat of Hillary at the hands of Trump, um, and 
It was a bill called the Cures Act. Cures, C-U-R-E-S. Sounds like a great bill. I'm a doctor, so I was drawn to that. Well, we're going to have an act in Congress that's going to help to cure disease. That's what I'm all about. That's why I took the Hippocratic Oath, save lives, prevent disease, prevent suffering, cure things where we can. Then I looked into the Cures Act, and the Cures Act actually was the non-Cures Act because it actually has a provision in it written by the drug companies which lowers FDA safety standards so that no longer is the FDA obligated to use clinical trials, control trials to see whether a drug is safe or whether a drug is effective. But now the FDA commissioner is, is empowered to actually use uh, his own judgment as a political appointee of the president. He uses his own, quote, judgment as a political appointee of the president. And he can make a decision based upon anecdotal uh, experiences uh, of, of physicians. So a doctor who is well-connected to the administration in power could say, you know, I tried an experimental drug or I tried a drug that was not indicated for the purposes for which I used it as an experiment on my patient. Not supposed to do that, but they do. And the doctor calls the FDA mm-hmm. a nice letter and says the, the, the drug was, was, was very well tolerated. And therefore now because of the Cures Act, the FDA is allowed to approve that drug for general consumption, not based upon any rigor or science. And I just want to add that 95 United States senators voted yes for the Cures Act to lower FDA safety standards. At the same time, they refused to import drugs from Canada. Mm. Very bad. That's it's crazy making, isn't it? It's um... very bad. The, the only senators who stood up were Bernie Sanders, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Ron Wyden, and Ed Merkley from Oregon. And actually, one Republican, Mike Lee from Utah, voted against it. So it's a 95 to 5 vote for uh, the Cures Act to lower FDA safety standards. And, and, and I, I just, it boggles my mind as a physician how politicians who know very little about health care um, could, could do that. Um, and, and I'm sure the lobbyists assured them that no harm would possibly come to patients because of that. But I'd be glad to talk, Janine, about my experiences in my health care career about all the dangerous drugs that the FDA has released as safe and I can also talk about the conflict of interest that Congress passed, allowing um, the pharmaceutical allowing the pharmaceutical companies to actually help the FDA with their budget. Now you say that sounds kind of strange. Yeah. Why would the drug companies help help the FDA with their budget? Let's see. Theodore Roosevelt, good guy, um, set up the FDA a long time ago, and went. We had problems with the meatpacking industry in those days. Uh, 
the jungle by uh, Sinclair up in Saint Sinclair yes. about all the dangers in the food consumption and things weren't regulated and people were dying from from all the bacteria and and he said also in drugs too so he established the FDA which was the the consumer protection agency that was supposed to be for the american people to make sure that the manufacturers and the sellers of uh, meat as well as drugs uh, would be held to a, a, a standard of, of care and safety that uh, the American public would not be in danger. Great idea. Great, great, great. And then along 1993, under President Bill Clinton, under President Bill Clinton, um, the FDA said, you know, we really don't have enough money for budget to have staff and doctors to review all the drugs that the drug companies are churning out. And a lot of these drugs at that time, because I was in practice, were not life-saving drugs. These were more what I call me-too drugs. In other words, we already had 25 drugs for high blood pressure. Well, they wanted to have 35 and each one wanted to pretend their drug was better than the last drug. And when I started practice in 1979, there was a drug called Celecrin that came out the first week I was in practice in uh, July of 1979. And I still remember a drug rep coming to my office saying that this is the best blood pressure pill since sliced bread um, was invented. And, and I said, I don't believe in giving a drug until it's been on the market for over a year, sometimes two years, unless, unless it is truly life-saving. In other words, I don't believe in giving me two drugs unless they've been proven themselves over a course of time. The bottom line was that uh, next time I came into my office, there were two things that were on my desk that were not there the day before. One was a fountain pen with the name Selecrin written on it as a gift. Um, and another was uh, a gumball machine filled with M&Ms. I guess they found my weakness for chocolate. And it also had Selecrin <laughs> on it. So, so here I am sitting at my desk, and I'm looking, and there's charts all around, and, and, and what do I see? I see Selecrin to my left in a gumball machine with M&Ms, Selecrin to the right with a ballpoint pen. Is that not an inducement to write for Selecrin? So I decided not to write for Selecrin, and they, the drug rep came back a couple months later upset with me and said, you're the only doctor in my area not prescribing Selecrin. I said, I told you I would never do it for at least a couple of years. So she, she left very upset. And by the way, I, I, I threw out the, the gumball machine, although I did keep the pen, although I never prescribed Selecrin. So I was watching 60 Minutes. <laughs> Very good. I was watching 60 Minutes one night in January of, of 1980. Yeah, I'm getting old now. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Uh, I can remember like it was yesterday. And, and there was the lead story from the British Medical Journal. Selecrin in England, 40 deaths from liver failure. The next day, the FDA removed oh. the drug. So... It's a good thing I didn't give Selecrin, but yet I was told my, my colleagues gave it, and that's a shame. We should not have direct-to-consumer advertising on TV. Very few countries, if any, besides the good old USA have it. Um, we should be letting that to be a doctor-patient decision. But getting back to the FDA, beside the fact that 
that they do not always turn out the best drugs. Obviously, Celecrine was a killer. Another one that comes to mind, Vioxx. Uh, even after there was a trial, when it was first came out, it showed strokes and heart attacks, and yet they still kept it on the market. And do you know how many people died from Vioxx? 60,000. Oh, my gosh. 60,000. That is crazy. Lives. Um, you know, they, they always say about statistics, and sometimes when you deal with large numbers, you become kind of immune to them, and it's like, you kind of, it just kind of rolls off your lips, 60,000, you know, it's like, you know, and, and they always say like one death is a tragedy, but, but you know, 60,000 is a statistic. But no, it's 60,000 human lives with families and children and, and parents and grandparents. And, and, and that was a dangerous drug. You know what? The FDA never removed that drug from the market. Go Google it, folks. Uh, Merck took it off the market. Why did it take it off the market? Well, because they had about 50,000 lawsuits for, 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 for wrongful yes. death. And so getting back to my main point, and then I'll stop, is the FDA said, you know, even though we're approving all these drugs, some of which are killing people, um, we, need, we need more money. So the, the proper response from Congress would be, well, if you have to have more staff to make more safer drugs and, and, and to have the doctors make more better decisions within the FDA, uh, sure, we can appropriate more money. But Congress in 1993 said, no, we, we need to give some more tax cuts out. And, uh, you know, President Clinton, you've got to work with us on. And, and then Newt Gingrich was talking and, you know, and they were making some deals. And anyway, they made a deal. It was called the Prescription Drug User Fee Act. Uh, the acronym is called PDUFA, P-D-U-F-A, PDUFA, Prescription Drug User Fee Act. Simply stated, the drug companies now gave the FDA money, and they pulled the money from all the drug companies, and they gave them as a check uh, to increase the, the people that were on the payroll at the FDA. And you say, well, gee, that, isn't that a conflict of interest? Because the FDA is supposed to be guarding uh, and watching the, the drug industry. And, and now here the drug industry is giving the FDA a check. Um, it seems to be a conflict. And, and Purdue, for one, I believe gave relatively small amount of money, you know, maybe $50 million compared on the, on the grand scheme of things. But guess what? PDUFA has been reauthorized, I believe, five or six times now since 1993. And I believe the latest PDUFA percent of the budget of the FDA is up to 25%. So now if I'm the wow. FDA commissioner, one out of every $4 that I have to spend on the department, on, on whatever, whatever needs I have to, to make sure the drugs that are going through the clinical trials are safe and effective, um, one of every $4 is not coming from the general treasury, it's coming from the drug companies themselves. To me, that, that's right, a clear... Yeah, that's, go ahead. That's a clear conflict of interest. Yeah, I, 
And the last point okay. is President Obama, when he was elected, um, to put a point on this, there were, I forget how many doctors, I think there was a dozen, a dozen physicians at the FDA, MDs like myself, wrote a letter to the president and complained that there was undue pressure put upon them by their bosses at the FDA to approve drugs that the physicians who were doing the work to review the clinical trials, they, the doctors felt these drugs were not ready to be approved and they were unsafe. And pressure was applied on them to approve it. And the doctors resigned and wrote a letter and, and whistle blew uh, the FDA to the President of the United States, Barack Obama. The bottom line, as I understand it, Amazing. not only did nothing change at the FDA, but President Obama was a very nice man, nice family man, very articulate, very brilliant, probably a decent person. However, no, one, no one's perfect, as we know. And, and in order to get support from the drug industry, or I should say, in order for the drug industry not to oppose the Affordable Care Act, President Obama made a deal with the drug industry in 2009. You can look it up on the internet. It's all, these are all facts, and I'll make them up. And he allowed the drug companies to continue to raise the price of drugs as high as they see fit. And recently, a drug called EpiPen, which is used for uh -huh. people who have uh, allergies and can go into anaphylactic shock, which means they stop breathing, their heart stops breathing, they could die unless they get uh, a shot of, of, of epinephrine in this pen called EpiPen. It used to cost around $20 because the ingredients are not, are not proprietary. They're pretty generic. But a, a new company took over and decided that, gee, heck, $20? That's not enough money to charge to a life-saving uh, EpiPen. Well, let's raise it to $600. $600 for, for a person to, to, to get something like that, which used to cost $20. To me, that's an outrage. No, I, I... And, and the fact that, um, that the American drug companies are the only country in the world, remember this, folks, it's just us, not England, not France, not Italy, not Canada, not South America, no other country, just good old America. We're the only country where the government does not require negotiations with the drug companies on price. And that's a disgrace. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm personally familiar with the EpiPen situation. I'm a person that has to carry one at all times. And uh, I have a spontaneous anaphylaxis. Wouldn't you like to have that one? And so um, I, I was aware of this. You know, I had to have my prescription renewed periodically. And my doctor sat me down uh, when I was in for my annual a few years back. And he said, I am so sorry, but this is what's just happened. And he was beside himself that this EpiPen that I was carrying and using surprisingly frequently um, or using on other people because they're, you know, they, they couldn't afford an EpiPen later, you know. Um, so it was, that was pretty disgraceful. 
you know, one of the, the fundamental founding tenets of Coffee Party USA is corruption or the <laughs> appearance of corruption in our government systems. And so this user fee that you're talking about may or may not be corrupt. I mean, there's a lot of uh, thinking about, you know, user fees as opposed to taxation, right? Except that when you put a, an organization in a situation where their income depends on the number of drugs they release there because it affects the amount of uh, user fee that they get, whether that's corrupt or not, it has the appearance of corruption. It has the smell of corruption. It's, it's pretty undefensible. So, I, you know, I, I, see, um, I see a lot of challenges there. We have a listener who's had his hand up for a good while now, and uh, I just want to make one last point before I open your mic, Bob, which is um, a lot of what you've been pointing to today, Dr. Roshnick, is that, you know, there is a thousand percent return on every dollar that a lobbyist, that a company spends on lobbyists, a thousand percent return. And so we're in this situation where money in politics, again, a foundational issue with coffee party money in politics is driving the art rather than the art driving politics and so you know when you talk about dropping fda standards gosh thalidomide comes to mind doesn't it or or think again about uh, I, I had friends who personally were in, affected by the whole finfin um issue a few years back who to this day have serious health issues prescribed that weight loss medication. And uh, so I think there's a lot to be said for taking public services out of the domain of lobbyists. It makes me crazy. Without further ado, however, I'd like to open the mic uh, to Bob Woodburn, a, a faithful listener and contributor to Lunch with Loudon. How are you today, Bob? I'm doing well. And you, Janine and Dr. Rushnak, how are you hi, doing? Hi, Bob. I'm doing good. I, I'm not. I'm not feeling too happy for the rest of the American people, including my three children and seven grandchildren, Bob. I can't say I blame you. Um, a comment, then a question, if I might, Dr. Rushnak. Um, first, the comment. I think everything you've said is. Spot on, because I am a, a frequent watcher of both MSNBC and also C-SPAN's 1, 2, and 3, okay? So I am, I am reasonably up to date with the, uh, what I call the, the AHCA scandal, because it is scandalous. And that leads me to my question, which is, why not, given the AHCA, uh, include Medicaid along with your uh, March for Medicare for All? You say the AHCA, you're talking about Trump Care, the American Health Care right. Act? Yeah, so and, and whatever they're calling it now. Yeah. Yeah, whatever they're calling it now. I think I did hear a, a, a kind of a surname that McConnell wanted to use it. But uh, mm-hmm. I know President Trump, uh, he called the Ryan House version mean 
well, if the House version was mean, the, the Senate version is meaner. Uh, as far as far as our, our march, and, and we're jumping ahead to that, I'd be, be glad to talk about that, Bob. Um, a, a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, Bev Cowley, and I um, talked about the outrageousness and that's been going on. And by the way, uh, a lot of this is, quote, legal. And the reason why it's legal is it's been approved by elected representatives called Congress. So it's yeah. not like it's illegal because Congress voted for it. Now, is it well, moral? One, it, one, right. one problem. Janine can tell you that I'm up on the on the cops. Right. Right. So, 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 so it's certainly not moral, and it's certainly not, uh, you know, uh, ethical in my opinion to do what Congress does. Um, and, I would agree that it's not legal if you want to go there. Well, because okay. Right. Because health care, this is my opinion as a layman, but I have been a paralegal and have been a constitutional student ever since I can remember. Okay. Okay. Um, the, the wording that allows the government to intervene in health care is the words necessary and proper in the necessary and proper clause within, I believe it's Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Is that, now, part, of the, is that part of the Commerce Clause? No. The, okay. the Commerce Clause is different. That gives the Congress uh, the authority to regulate interstate commerce. Right. Well, the, you know, the necessary you, 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 would, you would think Congress is regulating the interstate uh, prescribing of drugs by physicians that are approved by the FDA here. <laughs> well, that may be as to as to that, but my argument is that that what they are doing may be necessary, but it sure isn't proper. Right. Oh, I agree. I, I, I agree. You asked me about the millions marching for Medicare for all march. Um, so we, we have a twofold objective here. Uh, number one, President Trump and every Republican uh, has has sworn up and down and promised that their number one promise was to repeal and replace Obamacare on day one. Well, here we are six months in. They haven't done that. But but there's no question in my mind that, that Trump, who has opposed every executive order of President Obama, is is going to uh, knock out the ACA. And, and quite, quite frankly, there's a poison pill in the ACA where Marco Rubio, senator, uh, put it in where he underfunded the risk corridors or the risk reserves for the insurance companies – and guess what's happening? Predictable. The insurance companies are leaving the ACA. Uh, Aetna, as well as Anthem, to name two major uh, United States insurers, uh, are saying goodbye. We can't make any more money off of you guys in, in this uh, health care plan. And, and, and that's the whole point. It's, it's not a health care plan. It's a sickness right. plan. And, and, uh -huh. and as long as they can't make money... They say hasta la vista, 
Hasta la vista. So, so, so this is my point. Um, I take the president at his word, and, and I, I cannot believe that, that, you know, Ryan and McConnell and, and the rest of the Republicans are not going to repeal the ACA. First of all, it's dying. Uh, the markets are, are not working. The insurance companies are leaving. The premiums are too right. high. It does not cover all Americans. I can go on and on and on. It, it, and by the way, when, when they passed the ACA, the Democrats had the votes to actually pass the public option. Uh, at that time, they had supermajorities in the Senate and the House, uh, but, but, but uh, the lobbyists convinced them not to harm the private insurance companies, because the private insurance companies like Aetna and Anthem and all the others, uh, they make money off of, of the ACA. So, so therefore, we don't want no competition. And if everybody didn't know, the public option is Medicare by choice. In other words, you would right. still have private insurance and you could have uh, Medicare. You, you could choose whether you want Medicare or not. And the whole idea was to have competition between uh, the, the two. Anyway, that never happened because of the lobbyists. And we ended up with the ACA, which was a start, but, but certainly far from a, a good bill. And since then, the, the stock companies of those uh, insurers that I mentioned have gone up hundreds of percent uh, in value because what, what – role of a CEO of a drug company is maximize shareholder value. The last time I checked, they have a fiduciary responsibility. Nowhere does it say in the CEO's contract you are responsibly to improve the health of Americans. So, so therefore, they, they feel they're doing their job by, by maximizing the price of their stock. And the way they do that is they raise prices on premiums and, and, and they provide less care. So therefore, here we are. Uh, we're at 45,000 people in America, 45. Again, these numbers are staggering. Can you imagine if we had a terrorist attack in America and 45,000 Americans were wiped out? I mean, when we had 9-11, uh, sadly, 3,000 people were, you know, brutally killed and murdered by, by terrorists. And, 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 and rightfully so, we reacted and we're outraged. Um, but we don't seem to be outraged when, when 45,000 people die every year in America because of uh, a lack of health care. Why does that, why does that not make the, the mainstream media? And I, I could talk a little bit about MSNBC and all the mainstream media that you're talking about, which I never watch anymore. I, I've sworn off mainstream media. Why? Uh, everything in America that you read in a magazine, a newspaper, uh, listen to on a radio show, not talking about internet, not talking about live stream, not talking about power to the people, lunch with loud, and not talking about shows like this, which, which is the truth. We're speaking truth to power. But I'm talking about commercial TV, commercial magazines yeah. where they have ads in them. Well, there's the key word, commercial. Do not pay attention to what you hear on that because – they will not tell you the truth. They are controlled by their, by, by their, by their corporate owners, and, and the reporters who go over the line uh, are fired. Uh, so, uh, but getting back to your point about the, uh, the march, the march is for two things. Number one, we, we want to mobilize America. And, and when Janine started off uh, the show today, uh, I, I, w I, w I was uh, stru struck by the fact that there are so many different marches and rallies for health all across America. And, and, and when Beb Callian and I got together and, and we started reaching out to, 
to every the National Nurses United and to our revolution, Justice Democrats, uh, uh, PNHP, uh, Healthcare Now. Uh, I, I can go on and on. There's so many of them, um, uh, indivisible. Um, what I'm struck by is that each, each organization doesn't seem to be really connected to each other, and they seem to be having their own thing. And the problem with doing that is that it doesn't make, make the news cycle. And the news cycle is what the average American watches on television, right? They, they work hard. They come home. They pop themselves in front of the TV set. They put on CNN or MSNBC or, God forbid, Fox News. Uh, and, and they think they're hearing the absolute truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And, and that could not be further from the truth. So they base their opinions upon what they hear on, on these shows. And unfortunately, uh, it, it's not the truth. So, so what we decided was, was to try to link up as many groups as possible. And, and, and we are being successful. And our vision was, was the following. Let's be nonpartisan about this, because I don't believe that when I was in private practice for decades as a gastroenterologist and internist, I, I never once asked the patient, are you a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or, or whatever? I never once asked them what religion they were. I never once asked them any kind of personal questions. You know, all I asked them is where it hurts. How can I help you? Right. right? So, so yeah. healthcare has nothing to do with politics. So, so, so people listening right now, my voice, shout it out from the rooftops like Paul Revere. You know, uh, healthcare is not a political football. Period. So, don't let those politicians <laughs> keep on brainwashing you into thinking it is. So, so we have a nonpartisan group. What we're trying to do is to reach out with everyone on one day because you you can't you can't do this incrementally you can't you can't have a a a message that comes out in dribs and drabs in my opinion or if if we do that way it hasn't worked so now we we have we have a new idea the new idea is on one day July 24th um and we're going to be having a, a major rally on the west lawn of the capitol right outside the people's house uh, and we're going to be marching in every state on the same day. So all of our co-leaders in every state are going to be uh, going to their local newspapers. They're going to be writing letters to the editor. Um, in other words, every state's going to be riled up on, at the same time as we're going to have national speakers at the rally in D.C. And we hope to get, you know, satellite coverage and, and live stream uh, to tell the truth, because who knows if the major cable companies will come because this is going to be too much truth. I don't know if they can handle this too much, this truth, because we're going to be very honest with people. And, and, and I'm going to be speaking just as I'm, I'm speaking now. But, but, but our Millions March for Medicare for All on, on the 24th is also right now making calls to Congress. And, and I know there's not every uh, senator on board with, with the uh, American Health Care Act. Uh, I'm just reading that in the New York Times, uh, the latest edition online. Uh, they, they still have five or six senators or Republicans uh, who, who are not fully on board. And I heard Trump say, uh, you know, it's just a matter of negotiation. What, what that means in, in reality is, well, you know, we have to satisfy the Tea Partiers, uh, so we have to uh, – 
We have to give less benefits, less care to people. We have to satisfy the, quote, moderate Republicans. I, I didn't know there was a moderate Republican anymore uh, since I lived in days where, where there was uh, people like Jacob Javits, uh, senator from New York. He, in my opinion, he was a, a decent human being, and therefore, if you're, if you're a decent human being, you're a moderate. Uh, so I, I don't think there really are. But, that, but be, be that as it may, um, the, the Republicans exist. Um, however, we're not appealing to the Republican uh, politicians because we believe they don't listen to me or to you or to anybody. They listen to their donors. And the reason why they don't listen to the people, people are apathetic. The people are just sitting back at home, watching their TV screens, watching their propaganda on, on Fox News and MSNBC and CNN, and, and just, 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 just listening. And, and they're almost like watching a, a soap opera. You know, it's like playing out before their very eyes, you know. But they're not participants. They're not participants. So you have to participate. And the reason why Congress takes us for granted is they can. They can take us for granted because why? We are apathetic. The only pre-existing condition for which Medicare for all will not cure is terminal apathy. And terminal apathy will kill. And as long as the American yeah, public... Yeah, I'm sorry. I remain, like that. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> and as long as they remain apathetic... We're, the American people are, are, are just watching the play go by, but we're not participating. So I, I, I just want to assure Bob of, of one thing. Um, we are fighting the AHCA, the, the Trump Care, and we are also proactively supporting Medicare for All. Medicare for All. Right, but, but that wasn't my question, doctor. Uh, my ahead. question is why you can't include in your events title millions marching for Medicare and Medicaid for all. Remember, Medicaid is state services, oh, and you're reaching out to all 50 states. Right, I understand. You know that, and that, as somebody who's disabled and on SSD, right. that's pretty important to me. You know that? You know, you, you, you raised an excellent question, Bob, an excellent question, because... The single-payer groups that have been around for a long time, um, they all say Medicare for all. And you're right. We should be saying and Medicaid. And, you're, you're, Bob, you are, you are absolutely right. And unless, I'm, miss, unless I'm missing something, uh, I don't know why, my, my God, every organization has been out there. They just say, we, that, all you hear is Medicare for all. Am I right, Bob? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you raise, like, the number one question. Why aren't we saying Medicare for all and Medicaid for all? And, and, and like you said, uh, Medicaid, 50% comes from the state, 50% is supposed, supposed to be coming from the federal government. But as we know, some state governors just don't believe in health care. They believe it's a privilege to have health care, and they believe that it's something you're doing wrong with your life. Maybe you're, you're an evil person. That's why you got sick, and they have all sorts of weird thoughts. So what they do with, with their block grants from the federal government is that they use it to give more tax cuts for property taxes, and they don't, they don't really fund 
the Medicaid in their states, and therefore people don't get the health care that, that they deserve uh, under the Medicaid. Bob, I will take your point under, under very, very, very extreme um, uh, close uh, consultation. We, we have a call okay. tonight, as a matter of fact, with, with all of the co-leaders. So far, we have 37 states. Anybody can go to my uh, homepage and Facebook, uh, and we also post it in, in our, our millions marching for Medicare for all of the states and the people who are actually uh, volunteering to, to basically uh, organize local marches. So we, we, we want to have the entire country marching, and even the people who are, who are physically disabled, they, they can march with, with, with their heads, they can nod their heads, and they can tap their toes. A bunch and, of them got a, a bunch of them got a, got removed from uh, Mitch McConnell's office today by the Capitol Police. Did they really? They yes. yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, you there know, unfortunately, Bob. Go ahead, Jean. Go ahead. I, I'll look up the article while you're talking. I have it no, right it, here. It, 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 it just seems to me that our democracy is crumbling and we're headed for a police state of, of law and order and, and, and all bad things. And, and unless the American people wake up and, and be vocal and be informed, as you are, Bob, be informed and not misinformed by mainstream media, uh, we're, we're in a sad state of affairs. The founding fathers uh, believed early on they wanted to give votes to the, the landowners. And I believe that Jefferson and, and, and Madison and all those great founding fathers, Franklin, believed that it was more from a sense of they didn't want the people who were not, in, not informed uh, you know, they wanted to inform voters, and you know, they wanted the people who knew what they were talking about when they voted on, on candidates or, or, or different laws or whatever. So um, we do need an informed citizenry, and, and you can go on any college campus today with, uh, with, the East, you know, with Jay Leno. He used to go with Jay Walking, and, uh, you know, Jay Leno yeah. would be out there, and he would say, can anybody name the vice president of the United States? And you get answers like, Nixon? Um, is it Kennedy? Um, Roosevelt? Yeah. But, the, yeah. but who asked, who was who who Jennifer Aniston's first husband? Oh, Brad Pitt. Ah, and who's, who, okay. who's Brad Pitt married to now? Oh, they all know the answer to that question. What is going on with Americans? What is right. going on? <laughs> we need to get smarter. We are losing the war of competition and brain power in the United States of America. We are we are not exceptional. We are we are actually mediocre, and we are dropping like a rock. Well, I well, would actually use there, the term American delusion. It's an American delusion that we are exceptional, and right. and because it may have been true at one time, we just like hang on to that. Um, right. But I do want to point out, uh, Dr. Reichnick, since you were uh, busy this morning, I have on the Lunch Aladdin page posted the press release from this group that had to be, they were physically carried one at a time out of the doorway of Mitch McConnell's office in the Russell building. And the press oh. release uh, um, title, oh. it was beautiful. I also posted the video of it. 
Um, so you can see it there after the show. But uh, June yeah. 22nd, 2017, press release, Disability Advocates Protest Senate Leader Over Cuts to Medicaid for Elderly and Disabled ah. Americans. ADAPT is the name of their group. And their, their thing today was called Free Our People. And uh, their statement about when, where, how, and why is on their press release, and you can get that on the Lunch with Loudon Facebook page. It's pretty darn amazing. Uh, and I was so impressed, I immediately ran to look for footage. And it, it took a while for me to find someone who had basically listed an MSNBC live report that they got by accident. They didn't know about the protest, but what they knew about was people were coming out of a briefing about this new um, act. And just for the record, you guys, and because the two of you will enjoy it, I'm going to read to you the short and the long name of this bill. The short version, which is, you know, the thing that we're usually told, is called the Better Care Reconciliation Act of 2017. But the name of the bill, the long name, go ahead. No, no, that, that's what I was trying to yeah, think yeah. of. That, that's the one I saw before, the better, what you said, the better. But I, yeah, I, I, I didn't believe it, so I didn't read it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, go ahead. The, here's the real name. It's the elimination of limitation on recapture of excess advance payments of premium tax credits act. Oh, my God. Um, so this all is I can, a financial act. All I can say is, Let oh, my God. Oh, oh, there's no what what this is is a tax cut for the billionaires, and it, it's yep. a um, you know somewhat of a health insurance for millionaires. So you get the tax cut for the billionaires, and for the millionaires we have a little insurance, and the rest of you can die and suffer. And so this is this is not well, only fully to... anti-American, but it's anti-humanitarian. I mean, it's it's awful. Oh, it's and it's so much an appeasement to the insurance companies. I mean, one of the elements is that there's no longer a requirement that people have uh, insurance coverage. There's no longer a requirement that p- p- employers provide it. And therefore, uh, I was a small business owner. I always carried insurance. This was back in the day when we still believed that um, business owners were a part of the social safety net, that we had a contribution to the standard of living. Health insurance was our job. The employers believed that providing health insurance was our job. And every, you know, I'd never once had a policy for my employees that didn't include who had to participate. There was no option out. You know, my rates, if I, had a, if I had a coverage policy that allowed people to say, no, nah, I don't think so, I had to pay twice the value for it. Right. You know, so instead of, you know, back then it was 500 a month or whatever for a family. This is, you know, when I started in the 80s. But still, you know, it would be 1,000 a month, the same policy, if I allowed anyone to opt out. Opting out is what kills insurance. And so, you know, what should the penalty be if you opt out? And so what they did was for, apparently because of the structure of Obamacare, they couldn't remove the penalty, so they just made the penalty zero dollars. Right. So anyway, so the, like, well, I my, hate my, that kind of messing around with truth. We didn't remove the penalty. That's true. But it's not the whole truth, right? Yeah, well, I don't think except for shows like yours and – and live stream and, and other truth tellers, do we ever get the truth? Um, by the way, the choice of words is important. 
And uh, you know, I'm I'm an author. Yeah. I was my, my dreams, and I've written four medical uh, political mysteries um, that basically are true. But I wrote them as fiction because I don't want to. I wanted to protect the guilty, so I didn't have to get involved in litigation. <laughs> so, um, but there's a lot of truth in the in the books I wrote uh, as a way of getting out a message about how horrible it is. But words are important and. The words that, that seem to be overly used and, and trite and don't really rile you up are the words sad. And I, I see that on Facebook all the time. I'm so sad that President Trump is, is, is our leader. I'm so sad that, that, that things are bad. I'm so sad that I have no health care. And and and, I, and I'm saying, why don't you write? I'm outraged that all these things are happening. I am very, you know, angry. Angry. I'm I'm not just sad. Sad implies I feel depressed, disempowered, you know, unable to do anything. That's what the politicians love when you're sad. Oh, that's great. We got them sad. They're so sad now. They, they they wouldn't be able. They can't even find the voting polls anymore. Where they're not going to vote. What we'll do is we'll pay off the county leaders, and they'll do get all all the right people to vote our way, and and those other people will be home just sad. You know, they're, they're just disempowered. And the other word that I think reporters on TV, you know, it's like if you're thirty something and are and you're on a TV reporter, they love the word amazing. Uh, and yeah, be- everything is amazing. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. We're awesome. We're awesome. Is- now the the awesome word should be the word should be outrageous. They, the, the reporter should, but the reporter is not allowed to say outrageous because that would be taking an uh, an opinion, a bias, right? But they, they say um, today President Trump um, just dissed the entire world. And basically said NATO was 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 for garbage and, and but it was amazing that he said that and and no it wasn't amazing it was not amazing it was outrageous it was outrageous so so getting back to your point Bob I'm going to take it under advisement I like your idea I like your Thank idea you. and and someone will have to tell me why why Medicaid should not be fought for uh, the same as Medicare for all uh, unless unless in the Medicare for All bill, and, and Congressman Conyers, as you know, in the House, as a majority right. of Democrats supporting, was it H.R. 676? That's okay. the bill for universal health care, right. Uh, so universal health care, I believe, covers What's Medicaid. What's the bill but, number again? I, th- I believe it's, 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 it's 676. Okay. You, 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 you can look it up, Congressman Conyers. You could Google it right now, and and, uh, and and but he has a majority of Democrats in the Senate. I'm sorry, in the House that that are that are supporting single payer. I, I think okay. Congressman, Congressman Conyers deserves a, a a great deal of credit. Yes, now, yes, I the, do too. And you know, I'm, I think I'm, the American public is actually very ready for this. Uh, you know, way back in the day when Justice Roberts um, 
surprised right. us all by um, casting his vote on the side of the legitimacy of the Affordable Care Act. That people were going, right. I can't believe it. Except I really think it was a strategic move on his part. He knew the climate right at that moment in time was so ready for single payer or uh, public right. action or whatever you wanted to call it that we were not happy with the uh, – even if you had been happy with Obamacare or the ACA as it had been originally proposed, you know, it had been so disemboweled by the time it got to the point where it was passed that um, a huge number of people who had been supporters of this effort, knowing that all legislation can get better, there's the opportunity to get better over time as you test your theories, so to speak. But I, I really think that if he'd found, if he had, uh, sided with what became the minority opinion that we would have already have single payer by now. Because, right, because we would have just gone right back to the drawing board when we had that super majority and we would have made the change right now. Right. So, yeah. so, so I agree with you, Janine. I, I think that uh, unfortunately even uh, justice Supreme court uh, you know, is, is no longer blind, and 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 they're, and they're part right. of the, and they're trying to placate the American people uh, to not rise up. You see, see, the one thing government doesn't want is is people to rise up. In France, God bless the French. If if the government does <laughs> something to 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 hurt the French people, uh, they don't worry if it's a Monday, Tuesday, workday, or, or whatever. They, they will call a national day of strike and shut the country down, everybody on the streets, and the, the government in France fears the people. In America, it's been said the opposite, that we fear our government. Now, God knows why. Right. How did I we know get why. to... Why? I know why. Tell because us. of the French, the French Revolution. Yeah. Well, we had our revolution. Yeah. But we didn't supported. cut off. We didn't cut off the head of our own government. We had we had declared our independence and fought for nation. That's true. That is true. But we should be like the French, because I actually had <laughs> I actually had a person who said to me, Doctor Rushdown, why would you want to have a march in July? Do you know how hot it is in July? Couldn't you put it off to a nice October fall day? And I said, the reason for the March of July is not because of the weather. It's because of the political cycle. We're trying to get yes. Congress to pass Medicare for all and Medicaid, not, right. because, not because the weather could be hot. <laughs> well, I remember the Occupy movement going, going into early winter. Yeah, but I mean, the, the French wouldn't care if it was, was snowing not. or the oh, sun. No. You know, they'd be out there on the streets. And what I'm saying to Americans, just like Martin Luther King, peaceful, nonviolent, but in their face, take to the streets. Right, and that's exactly why why I questioned on Facebook today, what part of peaceful assembly doesn't Mitch McConnell and the D.C. police? Right. What what do they well, tell a, uh, to understand about that? Does, does everybody know how close we are to the Republicans being able to call for a second constitutional convention? Um, I'm 
pretty aware of that, but I think we need one un- nonetheless. Because we, there we, is we a need lot. one uh, under Republican rule? It doesn't matter who it's under. What the people of the United States need is a voice. Because otherwise we're going to have Republicans shooting at Democrats just like a Democrat shot at a, at a, a Republican well, baseball practice with a list of many more in his pocket. Well, you know, you know, it, it's sad that those things happen. I use the word sad myself. See, I'm getting brainwashed. Uh, it, it's an outrage that things like that happen. But we're, we're the most violent country in the world. The NRA doesn't think we have enough guns. Maybe we should buy more guns. You know, that, that's what they always say. Um, so I, I disagree with that. Well, I don't think. You do have to look at the fact that a, a good guy stopped a bad guy with a gun. Right. Well, yeah. In that but, shooting. And okay. it, and 24 other people would likely be dead now, if not more than that, yeah, had but, the Capitol Police not opened fire. Yeah, but, but Bob, or you know... Or the protective detail. Oh, I understand. But, 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 Bob, if everybody in a crowded movie theater was carrying a six-shooter on his hip and, 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 and somebody came in and everybody started firing at each other, there'd be bullets flying everywhere, and you'd probably kill the whole movie theater. It's it's possible, but <laughs> it's also damned likely the, that the uh, that the Aurora, Colorado shooter never would have made it to trial. He would have been tried with due process being a bullet. Right, right, right. Well, we're we're we're, we're kind of getting off the subject of health care. So 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 let's get back right. to the march here. Well, what I'm asking every American is to do what is in their own best interest. Hear me out. What's in your own best interest, not in what your party's best interest is, not in your Republican best interest or in Donald Trump's best interest or Mitch McConnell or even Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi. What is, right. Think Americans. Think Americans. Think. What do you need? You need health care. By the way, the young people who are listening to me now, 20-somethings and younger, don't think you're immortal. Do not think you're immortal. People who are young die every day. They die of, in I'm, car accidents, and they die of, of natural diseases. And by the way, I, I, want, I want to bring something up, which is kind of out of left field, but it's real. In China right now, they have a major outbreak break of a deadly uh, flu, um, a virus. Uh, I believe it's a bird virus. And as we all know, we live in a, a global world. And, and people are just one plane ride from Beijing to New York. Um, so, therefore, is our, is our country ready for a major public health outbreak? No, we are not ready. I will tell the American people right now in no uncertain terms, we are clearly we, we overwhelmed. Uh, hospitals, we do not have, have the facilities to deal with a, a major outbreak like that. 75%, by the way, in, peop- in, in China are dying. They, you know, they have so many people over there, they don't seem to worry about it. But I think our culture in America, my God, I have three children and spouses and, and seven grandchildren, and, and I worry to death about every one of them. And I worry to death about you, Bob, and also you, Janine, because I don't want to see anybody die. I, w- I want to see us all get the best possible health care. So the march, the march is on t- 24th, Bob. What state do you live in? Nevada. 
Nevada, we have somebody who's a leader, and I want you to con- promise me you're going to contact that person today. Um, let me see. Let me look it up on my Facebook. Are you on Facebook, Bob? Yeah, and I've already sent you a friend request. Aha. Uh-huh. It's probably. It's in uh, message. Uh, there's a William. Is that you, William? That would be me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, we're now friends. I just confirmed. That um, works. Uh, so so uh, if you scroll down my page, um, probably about six or seven posts. Um, keep on going. Here, here, we have 13 states who have still not volunteered for uh, Millions Marching for Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and for some reason, uh, I can't figure that out. And 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 I'm sorry, you're you're, you're from again? What state? Nevada. Nevada. I'm sorry. Or 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 as the president calls Nevada, right? I I make that mistake <laughs> frequently myself, having not been born here. Uh, okay. I'm well, lucky to, you want health care? I know. There's a need. Yeah. I know. I know. You call so it, anyway, you Bob. You call it Nevada in front of a Nevadan. You need health care. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Bob, well, Bob, Bob, look up number number fourteen. Yes, Nevada was the fourteenth state that that volunteered, and, and there's two co-leaders, uh, without mentioning their names on the show. They're they're on my right. list. Uh, please, please friend them uh, because they they are working with all people from Nevada to try to organize local marches for what we're talking about here. And you can see uh, the first volunteer was from Missouri, the Show Me State. Um, my, my good friend Terry Flowers, who's been a single payer uh, av- advocate for a long time, and a, a kind human being, a pharmacist, uh, uh, one of my best friends. Uh, and you can see we have 37 states. Uh, and yet, from the following states, if there's a listener out there right now from Alaska, Arkansas, Delaware, Idaho, Kansas, Maine, Massachusetts, that's, that's strange. Mississippi, Nebraska, New Mexico, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming, those 13 states, not one person has volunteered. And yet, in the other 37 states, we got a lot of volunteers. We have tons of volunteers in New York. We have tons of volunteers in California, tons of volunteers in Texas, tons of volunteers in Indiana, uh, and, and go on and on. And we have, we have a lot of people in other states. We have, we have a lot of D.C. activists. Etc. And, and we have leaders in all the other states. So what they're going to be working with is our revolution, which is an outgrowth, as we know, Bernie Sanders campaign. And they're working with Justice Democrats and, and all the other progressive movements, PNHP, United Nurses, uh, National Nurses, United, uh, United Nurses National. I, I always get that confused, sorry. Uh, but, but, but we're all getting involved on that one day to make a big splash. And, and, and right. we're hoping that the mainstream media picks it up, and, and the message is this is not just a, a rinky-dink, you know, a couple of people uh, holding signs on the corner outside of a McDonald's or, or Burger King or Wendy's. I just say that. Right. For- Yes, <laughs> but, well, but, but bless their heart when they do that. Bless their heart when they do that. that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. The, 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 we want union people, by the way. AFL, CIO, Teamsters, anybody listening to me, please contact me, Dr. Michael Rushnack, on Facebook. 
Uh, we, we have millions marching for Medicare for All. Uh, join up. You can, you, you can ask me direct questions. You can get right to me. And, and we also have a website that, that you could join up on the page. You could donate. We, we have to have expenses for the, for the rally. Uh, the rally in D.C. is, is going to be uh, very important. Uh, we've invited major speakers. I cannot reveal at this time uh, who, who's going to be speaking uh, uh, for, for other reasons, uh, security not the least of which. But um, I, I think somebody is somebody is saying, um, uh, Janine, that somebody is calling into the show, but they don't answer the phone. Um, is there, there, there's someone well, that's on my. that's interesting because I don't see, I don't see them on my board. So I'll say the number again in case it's the wrong number: six four six nine two nine two four nine five. Let's try it again. Because I don't see them. They're not lighting up my board. So, yeah, there's, they're not making it through. Okay, could you say the number one more time? Six Just say the number one more time. Yeah, it's 646-929-2495. Six, six, wait, wait, wait. You're going too fast. 646-929-2495. Six, six, okay. Correct, Janine? Okay, good. Because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put that on their direct message so that they're, they're not confused. Because sometimes people get the wrong numbers. And at, at our age, I'll, yeah. I'll be I'll be 70 in three weeks, so I have to use glasses. Sometimes I I dial the wrong number. But but you know, I've been so fortunate, and and I I am on a crusade. I'm on a crusade to save lives because I believe that God has been good to me and good good to my family. But but I feel very upset about the rest of America, uh, what they're going yeah. through. My favorite movie, if I could digress for a second, was Schindler's List, not because it was a great topic, because it was so well done. And my, and my, and my, the scene that still can bring tears to my eyes is when Schindler was yeah. told that, that he could not put one more name to save one more person from the Nazis, and, and, and he had tears. He said, can I find a way to save one more life? And, and I'm telling you here right now that if I could save one more life, I would do it in a heartbeat. But we need to save not just one more life. We need to save millions of more lives. We need to have a wellness center. We need to be a world-class well care. Now, if we had wellness, you realize if we're not as sick we're not going to take as many drugs now. That's the pharmaceutical companies love to sell us drugs, so they're not too happy about that. If we have a wellness situation, uh, you know, there are people that you know are not going to be going to the doctor that often because they're healthy. Oh, oh, the doctors aren't going to be happy. Well, that's too bad uh, because the whole point of, of what we're trying to do here is to be we be well. And when I look at other countries, Scandinavian countries, uh, Denmark, Norway. Happiest countries in the world. Uh, their, their their wellness is, is off the roof. United States, very unhappy country, I believe. We're a very sad country. Um, we're, we're a very sick country. Uh, of the volunteers that we have, uh, Janine, you'd be surprised how many people have their own uh, physical problems and, and are still getting out there and organizing. I, I'm just amazed that they tell me their personal stories because, uh, you know, it, it's sad. And, and each, each person has their own tragedies they're going through. And, and yet they're still fighting. 
They're fighting for the American dream. And, and the American dream is not Ronald Reagan's trickle-down economics. That's been disproved by even George H. Bush, who called it voodoo economics. Uh, it's I voodoo. <laughs> if anybody thinks by giving tax cuts to, to Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and, and Mark Zuckerberg is going to make your life better, then just forget that idea, okay? It is not going to happen. Because the jobs that they right. offer are going to be jobs for people who are highly technical, highly skilled, and the American workforce, unfortunately, is not that way. And by the way, the one thing that can help America um, economy is productivity. Now, if you go to work when you're sick, how, how effective can you be? What happens if your stomach is killing you? What happens if you have a sinus infection and a fever? Are you really functioning very well? No, you're not. And that, you know what that's called? Presenteeism. In other words, you're present at the office or at the workplace, but you're not very effective in doing your job because you're sick. And why are you sick? Because you can't afford a copay. You can't afford a deductible to go to the doctors to, to get better. And, and so therefore, right. it would have major implications. And one last point on, on the economic side. And by the way, the other day I had a Facebook friend um, that, that said to me, uh, I voted for Donald Trump, and guess what? I support Medicare for all. And I said, really? I'm happy to hear that because I believe it doesn't matter if you, what party you belong to. I believe you should have Medicare for all because the word for all is what it's all about. Because if we're going to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all, we have to have health care for all. And that includes not just Medicare, but also Medicaid, Bob. So, so thank you for your questions, Bob. I really appreciate your understanding of, of, the, of the world and, 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 and our situation right now. And, again, if anybody lives in those states that I mentioned, uh, we have no volunteers from your states. Please uh, contact me on Facebook. And if you know anybody who lives there, I'll, I'll, I'll name them real quick. There's only 13, Alaska, Arkansas, Delaware, Idaho, Kansas, Maine, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Nebraska, New Mexico, South and North Dakota, Wyoming. No one has volunteered. Okay. I guess they don't need health care out there. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> well, I'm, so, um, I'm glad I just you. I want to insert here a couple things. Oh, go ahead, Bob, and then I'll make my insert. I just wanted to thank Dr. Rushnak for answering my question and taking my suggestion under advisement. Absolutely. So I will I will let you continue, Janine, and you two have a good day. Bob, the best, the best, the best Thanks, to Bob. you and God bless you. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye bye. Bye bye. So my insert here is one, um your caller has come through, Doctor Rushnick, uh-huh. and if if they want to speak, they need to raise their hand, but which is by pushing the number one, and it'll show up as a, a raised hand uh, on my dashboard here. Ah, there is your hand. Um, and then, um, when we have a chance, I want to talk. I want to answer the question you asked about self-interest. Why do people don't get involved in their own self-interest? But first, I'm going to open the mic. Hello, area code two five six. Welcome to lunch with Loudon. Uh, with whom am I speaking? My name's Bev Cowling. Dr. Rushnack knows me pretty well. <laughs> Hi, Michael. How are you doing, Bev? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm partnering with Michael on this on this uh, march for Medicare for All, and uh, we've been working really hard. He's been doing a great job on the show today. Well, thank you. Uh, oh, Bev, yes. I, Bev, I actually mentioned your name earlier, and, and uh, I said you and I met on Facebook, and uh, you know the the Cures Act kind of turned me around uh, on when, when all the Democratic uh, uh, corporate uh, politicians uh, voted to, to kill people uh, by having unsafe uh, drugs out there, and uh, you know I, I am a, a full-fledged progressive uh, activist. And, and by the way, uh, <laughs> before you get to your question, Bev uh, Janine, uh, I want to say that FDR at the 1940 National Convention that they nominated him for president for the third time um, wrote a letter to the corporate Democrats criticizing them. Uh, for, for what they were doing, because they didn't want his vice president, Henry Wallace, to be the VP because Wallace was too much for the people. And, 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 and FDR, you know, are the, the consummate uh, progressive of our lifetime, you know, that, that saved our country. And my father revered FDR, um, having worked in the factory during the Great Depression. Um, and FDR said, uh, you know, uh, the party can only go one way. It can't go. It can't be two ways. It can't be going toward the progressives, which are for the people, and it can't be for the corporations that are for maximizing profits. So, um, you know, I, I really believe that even though um, our march is nonpartisan, that that we need to have our political process ironed out so that we have a party that speaks for the people. Bev, go ahead with your question. Well, I wanted to know, did you oh, guys know what's going go on with the – I'm sorry, did you guys know what's happening at Senator Mitch McConnell's office right now? Yeah, we, we, we just talked about that. Go, go ahead, Janine. Did I miss hearing you how they're carrying people out of their wheelchairs, pulling them out of their wheelchairs, putting zip-tie handcuffs on them and carrying them out the door? They've got them on the floor dragging them. I'm watching it. It, it, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace in America to be doing that for people's rights to protest, that, you know, that we have the First Amendment and, and that we're, we're not subjects of the king. The king has been deposed. We don't have a king. We have a president. We have a duly elected Congress that's supposed to represent the people, and the people have a right to protest, and the people have a right to speak their mind for their own interest, and that is outrageous. I think so, too. Also, had you heard that they decided to cancel their August recess? Is that a fact? That's a fact. They and, decided and, to cancel and, their, and, apparently, been, they, because they don't want to face their constituents. They don't want to go home and face the backlash from what they're about to do to everybody. Yeah, Bev and I believe that. That, that, that they were planning on voting the last day before the recess and then getting out of town. Um, but the fact that they canceled their August recess, Bev, to me sounds like they're actually not planning on taking a vote for a while. And therefore, our, sure. <laughs> therefore our, sure. July, our July 24th march is perfectly timed. 
I actually it would be even better timed. You're right. I agree. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to know if you had known about that, or heard about that. And there's one other question. Uh, did you hear McConnell this morning on on television, just lying through his teeth? He was saying that the Medicaid expansion was so vital to Americans and Republicans were making sure that that wasn't going away. And, of course, we know in their bill it is going away. It's just going away a little more slowly than it did in the House version. So and he, I had to – I almost threw my phone at the, at the TV when I heard him say that. I, how can this man stand – and lie, bold-faced lie to the American people about this egregious bill. It, it's just disgusting. And uh, But right now I'm putting calls out for Republicans who support Medicare for All because I would like to have them come forward because we do want this to be a nonpartisan march. I agree. So well, anyway. I'm doing my best to uh, promote you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. I wish we could get the national media to promote. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about the national media. They'll probably call us a bunch of hooligans. <laughs> that, that's funny that you said that because that's what my son calls my granddaughters. Huh? <laughs> they're they're <laughs> hooligans. <two> hooligans. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, so gonna, yeah, you get a lot of street cred. You get a lot of street cred when you're a hooligan. I mean, that's actually yeah, that's that's three three people to the march. We, we had a well, we had Bev, we had a well-informed uh, viewer, uh, listener, call him before Bob, and uh, he raised the question: uh, under a single-payer Medicare for all, a serious question, uh, does that automatically include all Medicaid? Yes, it includes all. Medicaid would go away. VA would go away. Everybody would be under the same plan. Congress what, would be under the same plan, and that's, that's why, where your that's why the money would be so much. The cost savings is so much more than what people realize because all of those other things would go away. So that that's what I thought, and I, I wasn't sure. And that's why I, I said to Bob, you know, because I never say anything which I don't know for a fact, and and because uh, Bob was saying maybe we should have millions marching for Medicare and Medicaid because. He wanted to make sure the Medicaid people had, you know, full full insurance as well. Right. No, it's supposed to cover – it's improved Medicare for all, of course, and, yes, it would cover everyone, and, which I think is just amazing. I think that – I'd like to see it called AmeriCare myself, you know, Americans. and and um, But the name is really irrelevant. The whole point, in fact, is, is that uh, – to me, to my way of thinking, not only is health care a right and not a privilege, but when I hear people say that somebody it shouldn't be able to have access to health care because of the size of their bank account, it is, to me, you cannot get lower than saying that. That's saying right. that somebody who has money has more value than somebody who does not. And that is by far the most abhorrent thing I can think of that anybody could say about a human life. And I wish I heard reporters on television use the word abhorrent or outrageous or, 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 you know, they use words like amazing or sad. You know, they're very bland words, you know. Uh, I'm really outraged at at what's going on, and I think most of America – and by the way, I I hope that we can channel, channel the energies, the anger, the 
um, outrage in America toward what's going on with McConnell's office right now, dragging people out, and what's going on with our government. I hope we can channel that, as Martin Luther King did, into peaceful, peaceful, nonviolent um, demonstrations. And marches. I totally agree. I just cannot imagine being a police officer and having to drag. Um, as I watch this, it is it's so disgusting to me. And I cannot imagine if I were an officer, I would refuse to do it. I would not be able to pull a disabled person out of their wheelchair, lay them on the floor, handcuff them, and drag them out. I could not do that. I don't know how these people can. And, and Bev, Bev, I'm not sure it, old, old enough to remember the Kent State shootings. Yes. Yes. Where 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 the the order was given to fire live bullets and ammunitions into a group of college students who were protesting during the Nixon yes. days. And during the I Occupy know. days, when the officer was right, uh, peaceful people sitting on the sidewalk with their on a curb. And he takes high power pepper spray and gets right in their face and just goes down the line and sprays them. And it, they were doing nothing but just sitting there. They were so quiet. They weren't making a sound, just sitting there peacefully protesting. And then what does he do? He files a suit against them for PTSD, and he gets disability. It just it makes me sick. I, I just don't understand. Um, I don't so understand any, the way things are going. So in any case, I, what, what I think, Bev and, and Janine, is if we can ask all of your listeners um, to channel their outrage uh, into something positive, a positive energy, to, to join millions marching for Medicare and for all, and, and to join us as, as co-leaders in their state, and if they're physically uh, uh, challenged, they can certainly make phone calls from home, working with the leaders. But we, we, we truly want millions across America to send a message to our government. Because, Jeanine, you wanted to get back to my point earlier about voting in their own self-interest. So here, here are some of the states that have no volunteers, Bev. And some of those very states have, have governors who take the block grant for Medicaid from the federal government, because the state pays half and federal government pays half, but they use the federal government money for other purposes other than Medicaid expansion. And they use it to reduce taxes or, or whatever, when it's supposed to be used specifically for, for medical care. And, and that's an outrage. Kind of so like the Social Security Fund? Oh, yes. Thing. Same kind of thing, right? Yes, uh, <laughs> the same kind of thing. Well, so. the Social Security Fund is a little more obtuse because actually Social Security holds the note for all that money, but then they right. talk about, you know, not paying back their debt. <laughs> so it's, that's yeah. a whole different thing. You know, but I, yeah. I feel badly uh, when, when you, you ask you ask the question, how can people not support their own best interests? And what I know as having been a business person is this. The sales and marketing are now a, a science. I, I mean, it's, it's a science to the point of being an art. And people who understand sales and marketing can sell almost. And so here we have people 
who are sold the notion that anything the government does to help them will cost more. Well, there's all kinds of data that says that that's not true. You know, there's all kinds of information that says we have been solving problems in the commons since the beginning of our nation. You know, when we decide that pooling our resources makes a better fire department or a better police department, or you know what I'm saying? When we bring together that common need and we fund it as a unit, we do much better. But the sneaky part is every time something like this happens, like the ACA or anything else, Taxes to you and me go up. Taxes to the 2%, the 1% go down. And it's as though business, big business and big money, have opted out of the commons. You know, so what, what's unsaid is the reason my premiums go up or the reason this costs more now than it did is because no one with a lot of money is paying any tax. Or if they are, it's so small it's embarrassing. Now, it might be a big number, but it's not a big percentage of what, of, you know, of what they make, what they earn. Shareholders are the biggest takers and the smallest givers of anybody in this country. Dividends. Dividends. How many years it was uh, capital gains on dividends? Zero under the Bush administration. No wonder we're bankrupting things. You know, it's because we're not being a people. We're being individuals in individuals in the sense that we can all be manipulated as individuals as opposed to we have the bargaining power of a pool from the commons. So, I, you know, I get very frustrated when people said, oh, it just costs more. Well, it's like, hey, there's a reason, but it has nothing to do with this. It has to do with those people opting out. Of being, they're no longer part of the village. You know, they take from the village, but they don't give back. So I, I feel bad for people, you know, who who've fallen into that trap. But I have a personal motto. And my personal motto is everybody counts or nobody counts. And I stole that from Harry Bosch, you know, the communist <laughs> guy. He's a detective. <laughs> but I love him and I love that saying. And someday I'm actually going to have a tattoo and it's going to say everybody counts or nobody counts. So <laughs> end of rant. <laughs> so, so, so I so, like this saying, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. But right now we need to go fast and far, so we need to go together quickly. And we need people to join us. So, so, so Bev, yes, Atel, we need to channel that outrage. Bev, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Bev, tell, tell the audience um, how they can also help if they're not physically able um, uh, to help the march, because we do have expenses, as you know, for the rally. Well, we have a wonderful website called www.marchingformedicare.com. It's millions marching for Medicare.com. I apologize. And on that website, there's this neat little oval donate button, and we need everybody to go to the website and push that button. I'm laughing because my grandfather clock's going off, and Michael hates my grandfather clock. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love grandfather. <laughs> but, but I love grandfather clock. <laughs> I, I love grandfathers because I'm a granddad. So, so, yeah. but, 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 you know, but, uh, as far as donations are concerned, what, whatever anyone can contribute, if, if it's a dollar, if it's five dollars, or if it's twenty-seven dollars, 
Now, we're not asking anyone to make a huge donation, although if there are companies out there who believe in the cause of, of Medicare for all, health care for all, a real – and by the way, I, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Um, Bev and I are working with the National Nurses United, and, 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 and by the way, uh, Janine, of all the professions in the United States, the American people have respected one profession – the highest, 99% trustworthiness, nurses. There, there is not a nurse in America who goes into nursing to become a multimillionaire. It's hard work, and, and they really care about people. So as, as a physician, uh, nurses really do great service, and we're working with, with these nurses. And, and, and so we want all nurses in America uh, to, to work with us because here's the point. When I asked Congressman Frank Pallone about the ACA in 2009, and I said, do you have any health care workers, nurses, or doctors uh, involved in the writing of the bill? He said, no. And I said, with all due respect, can I ask why? And he said, well, we, we don't think we need any nurses. Uh, if, if we had a need, we could always pay a consultant, Michael. And I said, you pay a consultant to, to basically see feedback what you want to hear. So I said, you can get randomly, you can pick or, or you can just put up for bid, uh, you know, hundreds of nurses, thousands of nurses and doctors who would gladly uh, participate. And here's what I think, that the improved part of Medicare for all should include the following. No more will insurance executives, no more will pharmaceutical executives, no more will hospital executives be at the table while the American people are on the menu. We will not be on the menu anymore. We will be at the table. Nurses and doctors and, and, and informed citizens like Bob should be at the table talking about what the best healthcare system looks like. And we have a lot better idea than Congress. And I think we need to be part of the, a major part of the input. And by the way, I would also, beside medical, I'd include dental care. And I'd make sure. Dental and eyes, absolutely. And also, the, also mental health. Mental health yes. is, is yes. not given enough support. So therefore, improved Medicare for all will be better than you have today. And, and, and it's for everybody. And by the way, Milton Friedman, I want to mention this, a, a very conservative economist, a Nobel Prize peace-winning, um, Nobel uh, Prize-winning uh, um, uh, economist said he did a study one time, and if we had single-payer Medicare for all in America, the American taxpayer, for all you conservatives, American taxpayer would save six hundred billion with a B dollars a year because we don't have all the fraud, the waste, the executive bonuses, the marketing, and all of that nonsense that does not go to patient care. So in other words, we're not talking about a more expensive program. We're talking about a lower cost program. We're talking about a program that delivers care to all Americans, a better type of care to all Americans, and that costs less. And maybe the United States will regain its American exceptionalism as the number one country in the world for health. Because right now, many Americans go overseas for surgery. 
I was just reading today, I posted it, that, you know, a hip operation in the United States can cost $50,000. You go to Mexico, you go to Canada, and it can cost you something like $7,000. Outrageous. The same drug can cost you 10 times more uh, across the Canadian border in the United States than it can over the Canadian border. Same drug. So we have a real problem, and, and our political system has really screwed up and really has screwed up. Um, the, the daughter of a United States senator is the CEO, by the way, Janine, of, of the company that makes your EpiPen. Yes. Yeah, well, I carry that EpiPen. In fact, I just was um, at the doctor the other day, and I, she was checking my EpiPen and saw it expires in November, and I'm going to have to turn around and get them again. And they're horrendously expensive. It's exactly. ridiculous. Exactly. And, and in order to get my injections, I have to have my pen with me. So. And, 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 and again, the, the daughter of a United States senator is the CEO that raised those prices to those unconscionable levels, Bev. Yes, something like 400% right. more ridiculous amount. And That's I want to say one more thing. You know, when we talk about health care and people are so short-sighted, they do not look at the big picture. They don't look down the line. Healthy people are happy people and they're productive people. So yes. when you have a, a nation of people that are healthier and happier, you're going to have better innovation, you're going to have better workers, you're going to have much more money going into the economy. So having us having health care for all is actually going to feed the economy, not take away from it. And that's the long-range plan. I mean, that's that's the big picture and it's the truth. Absolutely. Well, of course it's the truth. Of course, it's the truth. And, you know, there's so much not truth going around. It's like when uh, just today you hear it every day, you know, how um, the ACA is in some kind of death spiral. Well, if it's in a death spiral, why are uh, the why are the uh, healthcare management companies, you know, spiraling only up? They're making a fortune. Exactly. I mean, the, oh, the they are absolutely. Exist today. Yeah, well, by the way, Trump came out. Death spiral going on here. Well, Janine, Janine, the reason why the reason why the insurance companies are not going into a debt spiral themselves is because they're smart enough to pull out where they don't make uh, rapacious profits. And, and, and any any market where they're losing money, they just leave that market, and they they have no remorse toward the people that they leave behind. Uh, so the people that don't have right. an insurance in their part of the country, um, the, the insurance companies don't care. It's it's all about dollars and, right. and how much money they can make. It's not about lives. The only people who really care about lives are 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 are, are the people and and nurses and doctors and, and the healthcare profession. Uh, and, and I think to the other groups, I think it's about um, – you know, basically maximizing uh, shareholder value. And, and, and we all know that CEOs, yes. their responsibility is to maximize stock price as well. Well, that may be uh, fine with, with maximizing the, the share price of General Motors or, or Ford or Chrysler, but it's not fine when it comes to maximizing uh, health care because that takes dollars away from care and puts them toward profits. Right, right. Exactly. So we're coming to the end of our time together. 
And I, I would like you both to, if you can, uh, you, give me a closing statement. What is? What do you want people to walk away with from this broadcast? Go ahead, Beth. I want people to get as angry as I am about the lack of providing health care for this country. I want people to recognize that every other modern nation has health care for every citizen. And guess what? They're not backing off. They're not about to change. They're not going to a for-profit system. They like what they've got, and their people are happier and healthier and have a longer life expectancy. And I want people to get outraged that here we are, the richest nation in the world, and we don't do that for our people. And then I want them to turn that outrage into action. I want them to donate to the march. I want them to sign up to help go to a march in their in their state or to sign up to be a DC activist and come to ours. I I just need I need so badly to see people put the passion for Medicare for all into action like Dr. Rushneck and I are doing. And, and and thank you Beth. That was fantastic. And I really think if we channel the energies, the, the negative energies, into positive energies by by actively doing something, like when people say on Facebook they're sad, no, they're, they're, they should not be sad. They should be empowered. Now, as far as D.C. is concerned, anyone who is physically able that lives within one to two hours, and I do in New Jersey, uh, can take an Amtrak train to D.C. or take a drive to D.C., so there's really, you know, no excuse, and it doesn't cost that much to take a, a one- to two-hour drive. And and there's tens of millions of people surrounding teen, the D.C. in Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, New York. Uh, we expect to see them all there. We are going to have national speakers. I told everybody earlier that we're waiting for commitments on, on many, and we're holding off on that right now. But But please, do what is in your own best interest. Just think how much money you spend each year on co-pays, deductibles, and you still don't have all the drugs you need. And, and how many times, if you need major surgery, have people gone bankrupt, medically bankrupt? That is all avoidable if each one of you listening now would, would, would grab 20 of your friends and, and join Millions Marching for Medicare for All. Be a part of the process Save yourself. There's, there's millions of people out there that want to work with you. Please work with us. You know, it's, it's, our, it's our country. It's not the government's country. The founding fathers said, we the people. We the people. Not we, not we the Democrats. Not we the Republicans. We the people. And, Janine, it's up to we the people. If we, we the people are, are apathetic, and just get mad and angry and, and don't do anything or throw a shoe at the TV, that does nothing. What, what does something is signing up to be part of something bigger than yourself, be a part of history, be a part of saving lives. You can do it. It's not hard. There's groups out there like Our Revolution and Justice Democrats who are out there to help you in your state. Anyone can do this uh, tonight. Bev and I have a conference call with, with, with 37 state leaders who, who are actively right now recruiting marchers for July 24th. So circle that date on your, on your calendar, July 24th. You're going to hear a lot about millions marching for Medicare for All for one reason. It's the right thing to do for all Americans to save lives and prevent suffering. Thank you, Janine, for having us on, on your show today. 
thanks for letting it me kind of co-opt a little bit. I <laughs> I didn't mean to take <laughs> over. I apologize, <laughs> but it's been a pleasure. Oh, no, to Beth, speak you were a lovely you. addition. Well, thank lovely you very much, Beth, Michael, and to Bob who has signed off already. Thanks so much for spending your time with Lunch with Loudon. I have my two-second telethon moment just like yours. Coffee Party USA is totally funded by you, our members, and supporters. Citizens United has not benefited us. We have no sugar daddy behind the curtain. It's just us, you and me. If you'd like to become a member, go to www.coffeepartyusa.com and click on the big red Become a Member today. You can't miss it. You can choose to be an annual member, a monthly sustainer, or a one-time donor. Thanks, everyone, for joining me on Lunch with Loudon. Happy party on. Thank you. Thank you. Hour to the people. I agree. Me too. Let's dance.